you're tired of the standard business and marketing fundamentals, frameworks, and funnels, <laughs> you need a little mischief. Get ready to turn up the volume on the CEO Mischief Maker podcast, where you access conversations with seasoned business owners who have smashed through mindset barriers, innovated the standard boring business and marketing playbooks, and executed future-paced strategies with bleeding-edge tools and tactics to micro-fail their way into massive success and growth. We are Mindset Impact Strategic Catalysts, helping innovative entrepreneurs focus. We are CEO Mischief Makers. Ready to make a little mischief? All right, welcome to the conversation, CEO Mischief Makers. Another incredible person I've met recently, actually at a conference in Denver, Ashley Fillingham gets to join me today. And I'm just going to let her kind of tell you who she is and what she does in case you don't know her. Many people probably do. But Ashley, tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Okay. So I am an attorney and I help entrepreneurs establish their legal foundations for their business. For 20 years, I was one of these big law attorneys and I did bet the company big, nasty litigation all over the country for fortune 500 companies. I did that for 20 years and my life was based in conflict and fighting for a living. And it was really freaking fun. I have to say, (laughs) but if I'm being honest about it, it was fun, but it was blowing things up all the time. And after a while of that, I just found this passion for people who are creating things, not blowing things up. And what I realized, because I had a lot of friends in this space, is they weren't protecting what they were creating. And so one day, literally, I walked out and I traded my high heels for flip-flops and went to the beach and started building businesses and helping entrepreneurs build theirs. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, we kind of all have that realization sometime in our lives where we realize we want to stop blowing things up (laughs) and living, (laughs) living in that world, right? It's really an emotional roller coaster kind of world. And you really have to have a certain mindset in order to not just survive that world, but try and thrive. So let's start there. What did you have to do to your mindset? How did your mindset have to shift in order to go from that volatile world to actually more of a proactive, calm, kind type of world? Well, I had to have a breakdown (laughs) first. (laughs) Do you remember that part in Brene Brown's famous talk where she's got the slide and she says in small letters, I had a breakdown And then she flashes up the next slide and it's the huge word breakdown. And she says, it kind of looks like this. It kind of looks like that. Yeah. You know, it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of conflict, but I was on the partner track. I was a corner office partner for a decade. I was leading teams across the country in really high stakes litigation. And I never stopped to take care of myself, to ask myself what mattered to me, to think about mindset, to even just take a breath. I was on an airplane. I was going, I was doing, it was fun. It was glamorous. It was all the things until it wasn't. 
And I had to take a pause and I had to take a breath and I had to regain my health and I had to regain my mental health. And it was then that the shift happened. Wow. Yeah, but you didn't have to do that. I mean, some people just take that hint and look at things external that cause that and just keep going anyway. So what was it that made you go, no, I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to look inside and I'm going to have that health talk with myself and go in a different direction. Well, I tried looking at the external things, you know, that's your first resort, but the answers aren't there. And when you dig deep enough and you journal enough and you do all the work and then thank goodness for podcasting, because I found podcasters right about the time I was going through this transition in my life. And there was this whole new world of mindset and wellness and journaling and write and burn. Have you heard of write and burn? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like write all the things and then burn it and let it go. Actually set off a fire alarm in a hotel in DC, (gasps) trying to get right in my head. (laughs) I'm sorry. That was just, you have just completely shocked me with three things so far when you said it, when you were like, oh, it was chaos. And it was fun. I'm like, okay, (laughs) we're going there. And now it's like, yeah, I'm going to set off a fire alarm. I'm like, okay, there we go. (laughs) That's Yeah. Sometimes you just have to hit the bottom. And when it's not anybody else, at some point it comes down to you. And it comes down to getting silent and listening to the you that's been silenced for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 100%. That time happened for me or that type of, uh, the reason I say that most people don't realize it or take heed is because I had to go through two of those things in order to take heed. And the first one was I was pregnant with my first son and I went through early labor and basically was just bedridden for the last couple of uh, weeks of pregnancy. And I was the main breadwinner of the family. And I was a highfalutin go-getter area. I had a beautiful office overlooking the Sierra Nevadas. I mean, it was just a bank of wall of windows. And I was just go, go, go. And that was a slap in the face to just stop. And everything still worked fine at the office without me. Yeah. That was a huge slap upside the face. Like, okay, it's really not about you. And then I went back to work and negotiated four day work weeks so I could be with my son, but still working 10, 12 hours a day. And the days that I worked and I was pumping and trying to get home in time to feed the baby and it's just chaos. And I stayed in it until the second baby, I was eight months pregnant with him and I fell and broke both my legs. He was fine. Everything was fine. But that was like, all right, we're done. (laughs) You're going to sit here and you're going to face this. And I was depressed. I'd never been depressed in my life, but Mm -hmm. I was depressed at that moment. I really was like, I literally, even if I wanted to get up, you know, like early labor, it was just your bedridden because you want to make sure the baby stays in there a while, but you can still move. You can still take a shower. You can still walk to the kitchen if you need to. I mean, at least I did, right? But this was like, no, (laughs) you ain't moving nowhere without either an old lady walker or a a wheelchair or I had a bedside commode and it was just a whole thing was like, all right, 
if I have a third kid, I'm probably going to break my neck if I don't figure this out. And this is traumatic. And then you have all the, for the uninitiated, all the pregnancy hormones, which are messing with your head anyway. And then you tell a woman who's on the go to stop and slow down and you can't go anywhere. Yeah. That would head straight toward depression. It, It really, I had never experienced it. And it was my son my three-year-old at the time who looked at me as like, mommy, you going to come? Cause I always played with them on the floor and, you know, we played cars and did that. mommy, are you going to come and play with me? And I was like, I snapped at him like, no, what do you expect? Look at how in the, and that was basically hearing my own words or actually seeing the look on his face as my words came out was like, oh my goodness, who the hell are you? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I never really liken it to a breakdown in that respect, but really that's a good word to use because it, it is that it's breaking down that old persona. Right. And then you're talking about burn it rising from those ashes into a deeper, more authentic persona. You know, to be honest, I think that's kind of what we do all through life. We have to, we have Mm -hmm. to breakdowns lead to breakthroughs. And when you think you're done You've evolved. You've hit that next level. It's coming again. It is. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? So when did it come again for you? How did that happen the next time? Oh, goodness. It really, in the last year, I left big law to start my own thing. And you have these visions, these dreams about how it's going to go. And in the middle of this, I was a silent partner investor in a wine shop in a small coastal town in Florida. And it didn't go as planned. Nothing went as planned. And so not only was I building a business as an attorney, helping entrepreneurs, but suddenly I was figuring out how to run a wine shop with so much love and so much joy for the people in that town, but it was not in the plan. And sometimes things don't go as planned, you know? but we take it as it comes and we figure it out. And it's been really a gift because now not only am I an attorney who helps small businesses, I am a small business myself. And that has informed the process. So we're really given what we need when we need it. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, as the wine shop does its thing, as the entrepreneurial attorney does her thing. As all those things happen, more doors will open. They will appear and you'll either choose to open them or not. You'll either choose to knock them down, right? And make a door where there never was one. It's all in our power. It's all in our choice as to how we look at these kinds of situations, right? I mean, I think that's the whole breakdown to breakthrough kind of idea. One thing I've learned for sure is that when I am spinning really fast and really loud and really chaotic, it's time to stop with the time I don't think I have. And for me, I spend a lot of time in Florida, put my toes in the sand, get grounded and breathe and ask for clarity. Or if I'm up in Atlanta, take a hike in nature and slow down and ask for clarity, even when you think you don't have the time to do it. Yeah, especially then, definitely. I love the word you used, clarity, because that's really what it is. It's Mm -hmm. just becoming clear on what is happening, how you're responding to it. So recently, my husband 
retired. He left his tax practice. He's home all the time. And I'm absolutely loving it. Okay. So let's get that clear first because it's really funny. Actually, people keep asking me, so uh, how's it going? (laughs) They really are like on eggshells wondering, is it going to (laughs) work? And we've been married 39 years, like in a week and a half. And it's going better than it's ever been. It really is amazing. And it's, again, the things that used to bother me, right? Little stupid things. It's a choice. It's really that choice to move beyond some of those things and gain clarity and gain clarity as to, you know, come on, get over yourself. You know, if you choose too loud, give me a freaking break. You know, that is so silly. Get over it. Yeah, you know, you're in the next phase together. You're going to grow so much, right? Yeah, we already have. Just in the last six months, he's been out six months. It is just his overall demeanor changing because he's no longer defined by the chaos of tax season. It's just beautiful. It's wonderful. But okay, so that mindset from corporate, corner office, attorney, high stress, chaos, <laughs> negativity, mm-hmm. bombs going off everywhere. Now to helping entrepreneurs, you had to make that shift, but is what you do on a daily basis different? How is that different? It's different in that it's a lot more personal. For example, I was helping a family work out a contract because they're starting a business as a family this week. That's a whole different level of stakes than bet the company it's money. We're talking about working out the details for a family. And so the stakes are every bit as high. They're just different Mm -hmm. and they require different conversations. So when you say it requires different conversations, how do you have to look at it differently? Or do you? Do you look at the clients that you used to have in the corporate law firm? Do you have to look at your current clients and your entrepreneurial clients differently? Do you have to come to the conversation different in any way? Definitely. You're talking about Fortune 500 companies with layers and layers and layers of personality and all the things that come with corporate life. But I loved those clients and I loved the journey with those clients and what we can learn from corporate life. There's a lot of interesting things there. There's structure, there's teamwork, there's desire to build something bigger and grander than has ever been built before. (laughs) And there's something intoxicating about that, but there's something similar right? With entrepreneurs who want to start something that's so personal and so impactful, but bigger and grander than has ever been done this way before. So there's a similarity there, but you know, at the end of the day, somebody who's a corporate worker goes home and an entrepreneur is often working from home. And so there's very little divide there and the conversations get deeper about what really matters. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I look at it as 
the difference between an employee when I used to be an employee, even though I've loved every job I've done, I've never really watched the clock. But you know, the old scenario of you're sitting there watching the clock, waiting to have it come down to the time that you get to get home or you get to take a break or whatever. I look at that if I look at the clock as my end time. So let's say that's for me dinner time. I have to go make dinner because that's the one thing that I do in the family, besides give the love of a mom and a wife. I mean, yes. But, uh, yeah. Nobody else in the family can do that. But I go and make dinner for my family. And if it's even just myself and my husband, that's my, my role. I love making dinner. And so I look at that clock and go, ah, I only have so much time to get this done or to make this happen. It's an anxiety-inducing thing for a very different reason. It's because time is limited with what I love to do. And because it is limited, I get a lot more done instead of just working from home and you know working until 10 o'clock at night. If you have 10 hours to do a project, it's going to take 10 hours plus. If you only Every have time. three hours to do a project, it's going to take three hours or less. So yeah, it's a different way of looking at it. Again, that's a mindset issue, right? Um, How do you look at your time that you're given and how are you using it? But as an entrepreneur, especially working from home, there are all those pulls on our time and our energy, right? Oh, laundry. Laundry is my excuse every time. Laundry and clean the kitchen. And, you know, the third time in the day that I'm cleaning the kitchen and it's just me and the dogs, what are you doing? The kids aren't even here. There you go. We don't need to clean the kitchen again. We need to get back to it. Anybody else? Yes. I procrastinate (laughs) in the same way, but it's not cleaning the kitchen by any stretch of the imagination. I could leave the kitchen dirty all day long, but if it's some tech tool that I want to play with or toy that I've got, I will immediately go to that rather than doing what I need to do. Right. But yeah, it's always procrastination. And it's always that usually it comes from a place of being uncomfortable with whatever it is we're trying to avoid. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, I will definitely go wash some dishes and fold some laundry if I'm struggling with what's on the screen in front of me and not necessarily with the legal work, but putting myself out there in the social world or all of those things, that's when the procrastination starts. And I know I'm uncomfortable. That's it. Of course, it's not the legal work, which you know, backwards and forwards, you love doing, but it's the other stuff that is uncomfortable, that is new, that is strange, that is something you didn't have to deal with before. And for many of us as entrepreneurs, there are lots of those things, lots of them. And so how do you get over that mindset? How do you make yourself stop cleaning the kitchen again and get to that post that you need to make. Oh gosh, I can't say I'm winning that game every day, (laughs) but I'm an only child or I grew up an only child anyway, found two sisters later in life, which was fun. One of whom was named Ashley, by the way. So Ah, that's a rabbit trail we could go down, but I grew up as an only child and therefore I spent a lot of time in my head and I learned how to talk to myself and I'll have conversations out loud that say, okay, Ashley, we're washing dishes again. What is this about? And go get back to it. But it's getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. And to be able to have that conversation and just say, okay, this is happening again, not judge yourself so much 
and chastise yourself so much that you can't go back to it. I'm sorry to break it to you guys and gals that are listening here. You're really not that different from the rest of us in that respect. <laughs> so, you know, it's okay. What just do you do? Get back to it. I do the same thing. It's really just a matter of realizing it sooner. Right. And the way I've gotten it is most of the time, it's definitely not going to be washing clothes or, you know, doing the dishes. That's not, I, <laughs> I will avoid that at all costs. As a matter of fact, one of the most amazing parts of my husband being home is that he took that over. He's like washing it. the dishes every morning. He's doing the laundry. And I'm just like in heaven. But my procrastination is computer stuff, fun stuff that I want to do. I'll go scroll some fun reels, right? Instagram reels, or I'll go look at email again, right? That kind of stuff. And so I realize that feeling I'm to the point where, because really it's the activity, we chose that activity because of a feeling and we're just not aware of the feeling yet. And so I have that feeling of uncomfortable and I'll go distract myself from that feeling by going and doing one of those fun things that I enjoy. So that gets rid of that feeling. So yeah. I'm sooner and sooner realizing the feeling before I choose the distraction. Well, I'm telling you right now, I've been an online entrepreneur since 2003. So we're talking yeah. eight, 19 years. Yeah. So please don't wait 19 years to get to that feeling. That's process. <laughs> It is. It is. So don't beat yourself up. You know, if I would have beat myself up, I would never have become an entrepreneur because I would just stopped right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 Be kind. Be kind to yourself. Yes. Please do. Please do. And really it's a process. Like Ashley just said, it's a process. Allow yourself to, to go through that process. That's why I say in terms of uniqueness of being human, we all have these feelings. There's no new feelings that anyone can have that has not been had before. Um, it's how you respond to it that is the newness. Hopefully, what we've talked about here in this mindset episode has given you maybe some tools to deal with those feelings in a different way. Ashley, thank you for this first section of our conversation together. You ready to dive into another one? 100%. This was fun. <laughs> Okay, hold on. If your mindset was shifted, you were inspired to innovate, and you were spurred into action, don't just move on with your day. Focus, my friend, and take a few minutes to visit ceomischiefmaker.com to learn more about the value that was shared with you today. Please act now and create some CEO mischief of your own. 